Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show on an upset Wednesday. Macatrillo here with you, Steve. As always, we'll soon be there from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, lots of pre-owned inventory an excellent service department and sales staff that definitely has the mindset and the work ethic of one John Hera. And that's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Humble's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. <laughs> I just love that. You have more to give, Steve Jones. <laughs> I got to mention that to him when he pops on. Uh, but honestly, I mean, that that's who he is, John Hara. And that's how we played that game last night. Him leading the way, Penn State played angry and on a mission from the time they, Sam Sessoms hit the three to stop the bleeding when trailing by 14 early in the second half, which was right after Micah Shrewsbury's uncalled-for technical foul. And that ended up working in Penn State's favor. Everything just kind of lit up for them right after that, and that gave them a lot of momentum. And you can feel it shifting. Michigan State, because they're a good team, kept themselves in it throughout the whole thing. But Penn State just had answers and just wanted it more, clearly, in those final couple of minutes. And they made those big effort plays led by John Hara. It was just remarkable what he did last night 16 and 16 Sam Sessoms was unbelievable in the second half and so was Seth Lundy on both ends of the floor too I mean the, the defensive effort he put together in the first half with those couple of blocks and then all the big shots he hit down the stretch too and this is to me the biggest positive and we knew this already because I think that's kind of the coach that Micah Shrewsbury's developing as. But, man, these guys love him. And, again, things turned for Penn State in a positive direction once they started making some shots, once they kind of got a fire lit under themselves after the technical foul against Micah Shrewsbury, which, again, in my opinion, was totally uncalled for, and I think he was set up for that. But maybe we'll get Steve's take. I mean, this is this is such an interesting team. This is a team that you'd think, you know, they can 
maybe make a, a, rate, a run if they can continue to peak at the right time. But, of course, then you see some of the offensive woes that continue to happen, like we saw in the first half. Another ugly first half. You're tied at 24. Then Michigan State lights it up in the sec to begin the second half, and then we all know what happened from there. But, man, if, if, if this team is can play like this next month, there are some there might be some possibilities here. You need to see some more consistency. But there's certainly more possibilities. Uh, but that that was a gritty, not a pretty, but a gritty gritty win for Penn State last night. And of course that is Micah Shrewsbury's first win over a top 20 opponent in his career. As for the technical foul. Like I said before, we all know the comments that Micah Shrewsbury had. He's been pretty open about it in the media. He was open about it in talking with Steve yesterday on the update show. That And, and Steve's even mentioned it the last couple of days and talking about for Penn State's style of play, they're not getting calls. And the way I, the way I see it is as long as if there's a foul is made you make the call there's no one way or the other and when you play that way the, the way that Penn State does and just and constantly getting to the basket they, they can be a physical bunch you probably should be getting a few more calls than what they have lately including what happened to John Hera which led to the Micah Shrewsbury Tech and that is a clear foul once again, Penn State doesn't get a call. Brandon Gowden, who called the game last night, of course points it out when Micah Shrewsbury gets the technical. And there it is. And, you know, as an official, too, you can't, first of all, you can't even tell me that you're not aware of storylines of, of teams, what coaches have maybe say in the media sometimes, especially if they're a little bit critical of your of your fellow officials like you, you gotta have to me you have to have a little bit of a heavier skin than that Micah Shrewsbury is only just trying to stand up for his team on a clear foul and right away boom he gets it I mean come on it was just totally uncalled for and this really needs to be addressed this is not just in the Big Ten this to me this is across college basketball I mentioned myself in the Patriot League, what happened in the Tennessee game last night. I mean, I've had it with the with these officials, Steve, and just not – and either not getting the call right and then putting their egos in front of them and giving an un uncalled-for technical foul to Micah Shrewsbury. But you know what? Putting that aside, mm. that is a gritty, gritty, gritty win last night. And John Harrow was just amazing. You got more to give, Steve Jones. <laughs> He was a riot last Oh, night. my God. It was amazing. He was a riot. Um, the technical? Um, I thought it was on call for. I really did. Uh, you know, he, he said to Dick and me afterwards, he says, well, I don't think I got my money's worth. <laughs> like, okay. Um, now, who knows? All I know is if, if fire... We asked Seth about it, Lindy. He said it kind of fired him up. 
Oh, it clearly and, did. Um, because kind of felt like Coach had their back. Well. You would be tossed out of every game. <laughs> I may be on a different level sometimes, but Mike really? Shrewsbury was warranted. He has been warranted, was warranted last night, and he was set up to get teed. Yeah, like I said, I, um, I don't know what he said. You know, that, because to be honest with you, Steve McJunkins, who teed him, in my personal opinion, is a very good official. I think Bill X a really good official. I think Paul Sells a really, I think, really good official. I saw the officials list last night. Go, those are three really good guys. I didn't think they had their best game last night, though. And I and I've told all three at one point or another during the course of my career. I've told each one of them that. I've told Paul. I said, Paul, you do a great job. I told Bill. I remember telling. I remember. I told Paul that at Nebraska one day. Uh, I told Steve that at Illinois once. And I told Bill, believe it or not, Bill Eck in Cancun, he refereed down there. Uh, I had no problem with how the game was called last night. I don't know about you, I, but I didn't. I was like, eh, I, didn't, I didn't really think twice about it. I thought what led to Micah's T was a missed call, and he had every right to complain about it. And I thought there were a couple other misses, too. But I think down the stretch, yeah, I, I had no problem with the officiating. It was just I mean, that little uh, chunk that I had a problem with. I mean, there was one where John got knocked down on a rebound. Correct. That, like, that, okay. That's one of them I have on my list, yeah. too. I'm like, okay. You know, like, guys, he's on the floor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, but in the course of a game where you're talking about a hundred and some odd possessions. I really, I, I thought, I thought those three guys did fine. I had no problem with what they did last night. None. I mean, yeah, can you ticky tack on this call or that call? Sure, you can, but yeah, you know, this is this was Seth Lundy's night. Uh, this was John Harris' night. This was Micah Shrewsbury's first game where Penn State beat a ranked opponent. A big night for them. And you get to enjoy it so much, you get to come back tomorrow afternoon. (laughs) Now, we're going to have an abbreviated show tomorrow from 3.10 to 3.30, but we're going to make it worth your while. We're going to have Grant Haley on the show tomorrow. I think that's a pretty good comeback to lead into the game, don't you? You better believe it. So, we have a Super Bowl champion on. Uh, the last time we had a champion on was uh, that special we had on on uh, when the suit stepped in a couple of weeks ago because he claims to be a champion of the people. All right, it's... Uh, you know, no, God! no God! No God! No God! It's like, uh, I mean, the suit being the champion of the people is 
the equivalent of being the best baseball player in Belarus. It's uh, it's nice. <laughs> Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So tomorrow is at uh, four three thirty. Will be the airtime following the show. But we'll have Grant Haley on in that first part of the show. I think that ought to work pretty well. Uh, the United States men's Olympic ice hockey team will not medal. Uh, they were beaten in a shootout by Slovakia. Slovakia, there's only one goal scored in the shootout, and Slovakia got it. So that's done. Um, nothing in skiing. Nothing in other areas. It's been a, it's kind of hit a little lull again here in metals. I mean, is the suit still excited about this stuff? Or as far as I know, I mean, we had our meeting today, and he still has the rings in his background on Zoom. On Zoom, yes. When we have our Zoom meetings, he has. I guess you can you can change your background on Zoom. So we changed his background to the Olympic rings. It's been that way for like weeks now. <sighs> Zoom, correct. So you guys just do the stuff in person. Well, we were doing it for COVID reasons. We weren't. We were. We were. We did Zoom for a while. Then we went back to in person. Now we're back to doing Zoom, for the time being. So when we meet on Zoom, you get the rings on, in the back of Kevin. So should I not show up to anything, or <laughs> should I play like the pretty Memorial Golf Tournament on Zoom, just like simulate my swing? What? No, that'll be in person. Oh, okay. Just yeah. want to make sure. I'll say it's been one of the great things, though, being back on the road again. Now, football, we were always on the road. Basketball, we had to do some games off TV. Oh. Thank goodness that's over. Uh, let's see. Tubby Smith stepping down as the high point coach. Of course, he won the national championship in Kentucky. His son, Gigi, is going to take over. He's 70 years old now. Did a couple TV games, or you know, and cross paths with Tubby when he was at Minnesota, also at Kentucky too. Penn State beat Kentucky when he was that coach. He's a great guy to deal with. Always liked him, very very much. Couldn't have treated me any better. Um, and not only that, I didn't have to talk to him on Zoom. Oh my Almighty! That's the other part, you know. I don't know about you, but I know it's been out of necessity. I hate Zoom. <laughs> it's like, like, okay, let's do this on Zoom. I'm like, oh, great. Can't wait. This seems so distant and impersonal. It's just me. And I had two students today that had to join me. It's, I, I, I still allow that. 
I did have two students today that needed Zoom because they weren't feeling well. I said, okay. It's a nice add-on, but, you know, as a, as a supplement. Ah. But that's just me. That's just me. But great win for them last night. Played really well. Uh, last 13-20 of the game, when when Seth when Sam Sessoms hit the three, you're like, to get it started, you're like, okay, this feels different. And they ran off eight points in 60 seconds. And they went from 14 to 6. Now you're back with inhaling distance. Now everything starts to change. Because everything starts to change, you can just sense it starting to change. But when you're coming back, you must, at some point, get the lead. You can't just keep climbing the mountain because you're playing uphill. You can't keep climbing the mountain and then get repelled. And then you climb the mountain again and get repelled. So, there you go. Great win last night for them. Great win. We'll come back. Mark Wogenrich in the next half hour. Trace McSorley will join us at 4.06 today. Oh, and the suit's doing the final half. What the heck? Is he going to be on Zoom? Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. I'll give myself that one. No, he'll he'll be here in person. Yes. No, this time I want him to be on Zoom. Back with more in a moment. News Radio 1070 WK, okay. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 6.30 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6.30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Out of auto repair. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, best in new inventory. Great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. And also uh, a fabulous service department. I don't care whether it's inspections, routine, diagnostics, they handle it all. At Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Grant Haley on the show tomorrow. Trace McSorley next half hour coming up on the show today. And very pleased to be joined by our good friend Mark Wogenrich 
Welcome back, sir. It's always a pleasure. My pleasure as well. I got to go before Trace and Grant Haley. Come on. That, that's, that's, that's not because... even a great warm-up act there for those two. Come on, come on. No, this is like this is like cheers leading into wings back in the old NBC days. Huh? Uh, I well, no, but thank you. <laughs> I mean, take it. Just take it, okay? I, I, that's what I said. Yeah, I, um, I will take that, but <laughs> that was those are gems. I can't wait to hear Grant. Yeah, Grant as, as a Rams fan tomorrow. still celebrating, I cannot wait to listen to that. Uh, you know, that must be something. That must be something for anybody who's a Rams fan to go through it. Because as the Los Angeles Rams, they've never won. Yeah. Uh, so, what was that like for you, just from the fan point of view, to watch that 15 play drive? It was terrifying because I had really no anticipation that that was going to happen. But in the back of my mind, I thought, you know, they've. They haven't gone on that kind of drive this postseason, but they had made stuff happen, whether it you know, be against Tampa and you know San Francisco. They had offense, right place, right time. But with the players who were on the field, you know, even at Ramson, I'm looking at some of these receivers going, I got nothing, you know. <laughs> well, what you're putting out there is terrifying me. I, you know, please throw to Cooper Cup and then just hopefully some, you know, they lose track of him or something get a break or two and it was you know it, it was really disarming I was I, I wanted them just to run sneaks four times from the one and yeah. when he you know when right. Stafford dropped back to kind of throw that that back shoulder thing to cup I went no 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 okay yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been I've been okay because of who he was throwing it to but that see Cooper Cup is a great example uh, you know you and I you probably follow recruiting closer than I do. I mean, I follow it enough. But this is a no-star guy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, nobody, nobody wanted him. Uh, I mean, that's what makes it remarkable, is that when he went to college, Eastern Washington was it. Right, exactly. At the individual level, that makes recruiting really fascinating to watch. Because um, when you get guys like that who jump out and really become successful despite a, a low star rating. Now, from the team collective, the team perspective, you know, populating with talent, of course, is going to have, you're going to have a better chance. But that in those individual recruiting stories, I mean, what was Aaron Donald? Really, was he, he wasn't, he, I don't think he was a real, real super high-end guy. I, I could be wrong about that. Mm. Um, no, he wasn't. But, you know, but I, I, you know, I like those individual that individual level recruiting story that doesn't, you know, that where you can still say, look, um, you can make, you know, you can be a success. Your road might be more difficult, but yeah, you can really make it. Yeah. Well, speaking of success, and uh, yeah, and you can make it. On last night, particular night, Penn State found success. Seth Lundy and and John Harrop. What were your thoughts watching that play out last night? I, you know, the, the the play that really stuck out to me was John Harris put back the three-point play in the last minute or so. Um, yeah. Actually, I saw a clip of that again today, and I, I, maybe I didn't realize it at the time, but just, you know, kind of watching a game as opposed to really focusing on there. He was one on four. 
on that play. You know, mm-hmm. Penn State's four guys, and, and, and Michael Shrewsbury kind of mentioned it after the game, and that we were kind of pushing four guys back into transition, just letting John go up there and get beat up and beat other people up and take his punishment and come back because we knew he was going to get that effort. He was one on four on that play, got his own rebound, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, turned it into a three point play that was really, really decisive at that moment. And I thought, I felt like maybe Tom Izzo referenced that in a roundabout way of just saying, we, you know, we had a, got out effort in it last you know in this game was, was, and that really was so significant to me it was just john harrett is that guy I, you know again he is not from you know a generation of like you know basketball pedigree but you know exactly what you are going to get from him and you got it last night beyond i think it's interesting because uh, micah had told me before the game what they wanted to do because of what happened at East Lansing. He said, look, we can't be beaten on the break anymore. So he said, yeah. look, we'll send John in. We'll let the other four guys go back. So in the pregame show, we mentioned that that's what they wanted to do. Well, we're looking at the stats, and John keeps getting offensive rebounds, offensive rebounds. <laughs> yeah. He's sort of doing this by himself in a lot of ways. And that was the remarkable part of it. Was that against what normally is a very good rebounding team? Mm-hmm. He got he got sixteen boards. Yeah, and six of them on offense, right? Yeah, yeah and six of them on the offensive no end. And that one, and, and again, he was one on four. I, yeah. you know, there's really that. You, but you saw the Michigan State guys kind of standing around him a little bit, and John was in there mixing. No, and that you really see- just more than anything that really struck me. You see style of play, and I asked Mike in the pregame show this. I said, "I said we all talk about being able to set the pace of a game. Everybody thinks it's offensively. Can you set it defensively?" I felt last night at both ends of the four, Penn State set the pace of the game. They forced Michigan State to even play slow offensively. And he mentioned that after the game. One of the things I really like about listening to Mike Shrewsbury is the way he can disseminate information in a real, just natural, understandable, kind of legible way for us lay people who just don't have a lot of basketball lingo to back up with. I, you know, I will listen to him, and he can break down something very easily and let you understand. I think he did it, you know, he did it really well in discussing um, his issue with the, the, the fouls and the free throws during the Big Ten season, and, and specifically over like the last week in those three games, in talking about the, the style that Penn State plays. And maybe it's not conducive to getting a ton of foul call, fouls, you know, called on the opponent, but still, you know, maybe our style is just that people don't quite understand to do or calling games. And I think he made that point really well. Um, again, you know, after the game, in saying that we just we wanted to slow them down that transition game, you know, in East Lansing, so we were going to slow them down. To, I think he said to a crawl. And if he does that really well, just in in his media appearances and you know, like on the radio show and and with us, I can imagine when he's using more advanced language with his team, it really seems to be getting through. And I think that's probably a real hallmark of a coach in that he can straddle those lines in, in discussing, you know, his philosophy and his approach and his X's and O's 
and meet all audience needs. That's really, to me, that's what I, you know, I, I'm, I'm extrapolating the part about him getting across to his players mm-hmm. as well yeah. as he kind of gets across to the media. But I got to believe that it, it is working out that way because I've heard the players say, you know, the, they've bought in. And I've heard, you know, Mike was, you know, himself say, the guys, they've bought into what I'm telling yeah, and you can tell. I mean, I'm, I'm there. I see it. So yeah, and they they absolutely are doing that. Uh, the other guy I want to talk about though is Seth Lundy, and it's yeah. I knew I said early in the broadcast last night. I said Dick, they need to get this guy going offensively, which means he's got to get himself going offensively. But his defense, there were there were a couple of possessions last night, Mark, where he switched off and it, it, on one possession had three different guys on switches. And handled all three guys. To me, that's been the hallmark of what he's become—a really good defensive player to go with his offensive ability. Yeah, I think you'd know you're getting the defense with him, right? But I, you know, he talked about it after the game too. In that, returning from the injury, maybe he had a little lack of confidence in his physical ability, which maybe hurt him in the attack mode. So he said, I think, you know, I pulled up the quote. He said, our managers just tell me to shoot. You know, when he's like, when he was kind of like, you know, getting back, he would just go out and shoot, shoot, and shoot. And that's his mentality. And again, the end of that game, you know, he made that, he made a big shot um, off of a, uh, you know, who else? Offensive rebound from, uh, from John Hara. You know, that, that second half to me, is if they could put together halves like that, that it's, it's so hard to do. But you put together halves like that, where you have the belief, couple with the execution, um, you know, win a couple of extra games down the stretch, maybe get the get a little enlivened, get a little juice going into the Big Ten tournament. You know, I don't know. You know, could the, yeah. could it mean could it mean an upset in there somewhere? And it's also the bigger thing that they weren't. Uh, you know, they didn't get overwhelmed, and then they didn't get deflated. Um, having lost the last three. That game, you're down 14 in the second half, and you're down 14 after your coach gets the technical, too. I mean, it wasn't like 14. That was that moment where it spun everything around. They still, I, I think Michigan State still scored maybe six of the next eight or something like that. Yeah. Took it from eight to 14. Um, yeah. So it wasn't immediate. So at, you're down 14 at home to Michigan State. That's a pivot point. I mean, at that point, you know, you're looking at, uh, you know, potentially could we lose four in a row, and then we've just let it slip. And no matter how hard we play, um, these results keep happening. So to turn that into a win, um, I was, you know, I just, I, I felt like that that was a very important way um, for them to play last night, but to finish it out too with a win has to be a confidence boost. I want to shift gears for a moment because the Big Ten athletic directors have been meeting and they've been talking about what to do with a variety of issues, including scheduling. And one of them is whether to stay at eight or nine. And it sounds at the moment the lean is nine, which if they are, that means this alliance thing is going by the boards. If that is the scenario, what are your thoughts? If the the alliance doesn't turn up to be what they uh, advertise it to be, I think I would be disappointed. Yeah, in other words, like, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's a great game to me. That is a great additional game. I like the idea of an eight of an eight game schedule, um, 
and I think that the athletic director for, at Iowa had done an interview with the athletic a couple of weeks ago, and, and just, you know, kind of, you know, throwing out maybe just kind of tossing out the line into the water and see who bites on it about um, pulling back from the divisions. Yeah, you know, and then maybe you're going to go pod scheduling, and you're going to have uh, you know uh, protected rivalries, things like that. You play a couple, and then you rotate. I like that. You know, I, I think that would probably. <clears throat> I mean, that'll. I think that would benefit more teams in being able, in more teams being able to um, get in contention with the Big Ten to win the Big Ten from you know from that East division right now because you know. I, yeah, I forget the number, but it's what six in a row, five six in a row. Um, well, it's all of them. Yeah. <laughs> then the East has won every one of them. Every, yeah, that's right. And yeah, since, well, since yeah, since they went East West, it was Wisconsin won as I can't even remember which which legendary leader they were in. So. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I but I I like the eight plus one of the of the alliance game. I I just always like the idea of playing that intersect that intersectional game um, with either the ACC or you know the Pac-12. And I like an eight. I just like I think there's more evenness to it. A four and four of not having the five and four um, road home road thing because that can be. And, and that probably complicates scheduling too, because then you're trying not to schedule teams to play you know, three road games, or you hopefully you're not getting them to play, you know, House State and Michigan back to back, or Wisconsin Iowa back to back on the road, things like that. Um, you're, they're probably uh, just better uh, scheduling in in that respect too, of maybe a little, being a little more even handed with that. So I I would prefer eight and then the plus one of the the uh, alliance game. Well, it's always great to talk with you. Great perspective yeah, is, as always. Always enjoy it. Always the perfect lead-in. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, thank you See so you much. Spring practice, Steve. Thanks so much. See you, Sal. We'll talk again soon. Thanks so much. Yeah, good deal. Mark Wogenrich, SI.com. And uh, let's uh, take a break. We'll come back. Are you sure the final half hour has to be the way it is? It was my last resort. How about that? What about my last resort? Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. <laughs> Under six seconds goes to the long way from the basket. Ben Carroll gets by the Arabia. Ben Carroll for the lead. at home, but they're waving it off for basket interference. You can review that. Ooh. Oh, man. So close. Maybe this is a better angle to tell. Is it off the rim outside the cylinder? I, I think oh. that's a bucket. I think that's a bucket, Debbie. I do, too. And they give him the bucket. He's just got to heave it anyway. He does run the baseline. He's going to take a three-quarter court shot from Monsanto. Oh, oh, he almost hit it. Oh, my goodness. Damari Monsanto from 70 feet almost won it. Oh, my goodness. What a second half. Oh, man. What a finish. Duke. 
escapes, and I mean escapes. On a night where uh, Coach K uh, had to leave. Had to take off. Didn't feel well at all. Had to go. And, uh, yeah, that... uh, And John Shire had to take over, and uh, Wake Forest came back on him. Wow. Yeah, what a wild night of college troops last night. Mm-hmm. Wild night, indeed. Yeah. But Duke got the win. Imagine what Shire's thinking, because yesterday was also the same day the, the story came out about Tommy Amaker. Oh, you know, they picked John Shire over Tommy Amaker. Well, you can pick anybody you want, you know. <laughs> it's like, you know, he's already on the staff. and But, yeah, that story came out, so now John Shire's got to coach the game. Imagine if he lost. Yeah, should have had Tommy Amaker. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. I thought that was pretty interesting last night. Great scenario. Uh, Minnesota's here tomorrow. Uh, and Minnesota last night, first half played really well. They led Ohio State at halftime. In the second half, things just uh, bottomed out for them. How about that? And that, and you know, so they'll come here. I guess they, I think they're here now. I think they just kept on going. In the, uh, that's why they set this up because they were at Ohio State. It was just more convenient. And the game is at four o'clock tomorrow because for TV they need TV time slots. Well, the TV time slots for the Big Ten are, are filled on Thursday night. So I mean, four o'clock in the afternoon, and the Lady Lions are playing Nebraska. By the way, um, at seven, so it's a doubleheader. Now, do you have a men's or women's game tonight? For Bucknell. Did you quit? I mean, it's... Yeah, I'm off to Bucknell tonight. Women tonight, big one against Lehigh. Well, you tell 2,919 points I said hi. I will. You're doing a good yeah, job. Yes, I, I, uh, <laughs> 2,919 points. I walked past her jersey, and <laughs> when I go into the Jordan Center, uh, down to practice every day. So, she's been part of Trevor Woodruff being getting uh, 50 career wins the other night already at Bucknell in 64 games. That's awesome.